Alright, so hey guys, before this episode gets started, I just want to, you know, give a disclaimer that um, we know that there are some audio issues later in the episode. You might hear some distortion in certain parts. We're not sure exactly what caused it, um, but, you know, we're, we're going to work to get it fixed, and if it happens again, we might have to try something else. But uh, I just wanted to make sure uh, everybody knows that we know that the distortion is happening and we're working to fix it, right? Um, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, it's uh, not just any book club. Um, if you don't know what this is, uh, each month we get together, uh, we all read books within one particular genre uh, or or topic, and you know we kind of talk about them without trying not to spoil uh, our, our books so that other people might be able to enjoy them the same way that we did. Um, this month we read coming of age stories. Uh, so, I mean, there's not really much else to explain about that. I just, I, I, <laughs> they're coming of age stories. So kind of know what you're getting into. Uh, my name is Pierce and I reread actually, it's our first reread on the show. Uh, Catcher in the Rye. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Justin and I read, um, Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Hi. Hi, my name is Gavin, and I read Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. This is very right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello there. Um, so, before we get, uh, get into that, uh, I just want to go ahead and talk real quick about how we decide each topic for each month. Um, so... Before our monthly meeting, we decide what the topic for the next month will be. Um, and we decide that in a poll. So next month, our options were uh, genre deconstruction, um, which is where a, an author will take kind of the tropes of a specific genre and kind of turn them on their head to not only make commentary on the genre itself, but also, you know, as that genre would on life and, you know, what they're trying to talk about in the real world as well. Uh, genre busters was our second option, and that's um, where an author will take tropes from or themes from multiple different genres, two or more, and they'll kind of carve out their own space, make their own genre that doesn't really fit into any category that we have. Uh, and then there's genre parody, which is kind of self-explanatory. Uh, it's a parody of a genre, kind of poking fun at the at the tropes and themes that that genre usually covers. Um, so I've been talking for a while, so I am going to let somebody else go first. Oh, if we okay. Want to go ahead right. and get started. What is I've just been right? talking. I've just been talking for a while. <laughs> okay. I usually do that because I just talk for like five minutes, and then I'm like, all right. Maybe right. I shouldn't go first. Okay. Well, you know what? I, uh, I'll take that as um, you signaling towards me to start, because I, I, my book is um, Anne of Green Gables, which is a book that's completely outside of my demographic, because it is a book for little girls in the 1900s. Um, and is that not what you are? 
Oh, well, last time Lost I checked. Quest. Last time I checked, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have read this because it is the book for children. And um, lo and behold, I was really surprised with how much I liked this book. It was very wholesome. It was um, very, very charming. And I think it's probably my favorite book that I've read for this podcast, um, probably since Pale Fire. But we don't talk about that. And um, I just love how everything seems so small scale. Um, this book um, takes place in Canada. Um, it, it revolves around a girl named um, Anne, who is kind of an orphan. Um, she grew up in a very rough life, but she's very optimistic, very upbeat. She's very imaginative. Um, and Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, who are brother and sister, I thought they were like husband and wife this entire time, but no, they're just they're siblings. Um, they live in a farm and they want to um, have adopt a child, a boy um, from this orphanage and they um, to ha- have help Matthew at, at the farm. So they go to the orphanage and they see a girl instead of a boy and um, this girl is very starry eyed. She was like, oh, are you here for me? And Matthew just says no. But um, it turns out that the orphanage made a mistake and Matthew doesn't really have the heart to tell her. So he brings her along to the house called um, that's in Green Gables. Um, and then um, eventually they start warming up to each other and it, it's, it's great. It's very wholesome. Um, how Anne interacts with the world. Um, she's very uppy. It's basically like SpongeBob with her just being impossibly nice and sweet. Um, her helping out other people. She talks on for ages. There are multiple moments in this book where um, she will go on and on for like at least a couple paragraphs, two pages of just nonstop dialogue. But it's just so charming and part of a character. Um, I don't know. I just really liked it um, and how innocent and sweet it is. There's a lot of small stakes, and apparently this book is the first in a se- first in a series. Um, how should I say this? Um, th- this book um, it was originally was not supposed to be meant to be a series, but um, because of its immense popularity, it took off. And it the book starts off with her at eleven, but by the end of the book series it starts with her at there ends off with her at the age of 50 and her having children I, i'm probably not gonna read the rest of the series because uh, apparently they're they're not as good as the first book it's probably i for the level of joy i have with this book i, I would i would compare it to the first harry potter book with just like how whimsical everything is even the most mundane stuff such as um just like describing the farm and like describing ordinary school life it, it's it's great um, I don't really have much else to say besides that. Um, besides, you should probably read it, even though it's probably not going to be for you. It probably is. Hello. I mean, so yeah, even though it's it's not written, I guess for us, good good literature is good literature. Yeah. So that that shouldn't scare anyone off from reading it. Uh, um, definitely yeah like pixar you know been for all ages yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um this book doesn't really have an overarching plot like i said it's just a girl growing up on a farm and that sounds boring as hell but it's just how i think it's montgomery's writing style where it it the way that she describes the scenery especially through the eyes of Anne. um it's not written first person through in third person which montgomery utilizes uh beautifully to just describe the scenery take some time open up a pair open up a chapter with just describing how it looks in october how it looks in december and how the snow looks on the ground and all that it's it's, it's well, very so, sweet 
so I, I, I guess I have to say, and I, I guess I could use this as kind of a segue. Um, I feel like a lot of the coming of age books that I've read, not a ton happens. It, it kind of makes it more believable because they're, you know, they're supposed to be just normal teenagers Slice uh, growing up. Right, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's what I, <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a growing theme in the books that I read for, for this book club. But it, you know, catching the ride, not not much really happens. I thought you were about the character um, Ulysses. <laughs> no, <laughs> Holden Holden Caulfield just kind of bums around New York for how long is this book? Hundred, two hundred, about two hundred pages. Yeah, yeah he, kind of, he kind of just bums around New York City for like two hundred pages. Um, a lot of the book is just internal monologue. A lot of internal monologue, which is yeah. You know, comic plane but i still love it for that no it's super great the and it's the the reason it works is because of the of the word choice it it sounds like a real person thinking to themselves and and talking to themselves and um yeah but and okay well i guess we're gonna be comparing characters and is a completely different person <laughs> completely different person than holding caulfield because um well Anne is just very naive and very charming, sweet, and fickly mm-hmm. opposite of Holden. Yeah, well, I, I guess if if you want to call her innocent, Holden Caulfield wants to. Holden Caulfield, the his main thing throughout the book is is avoiding, trying to avoid growing up and trying to protect innocence. Um, yeah. So he would want to he would want to be more like Anne than what he actually is yeah uh that's what the the title is catcher of the riots yeah he wants to protect innocence um i could not explain that metaphor very like much further if i wanted to because every, even every time i read that part where he's like talking about it i i, I just get a little confused um <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know why i don't know what it is about it i just don't yeah, I don't have the metaphor either. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know what a what is rye like a wheat field. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a grain, I think. <sighs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think. I think. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about Holden. Um, so should, yeah, like I mean, tell everybody about the book. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Catcher on the Rye is basically it, it's a story about uh, Holden Caulfield. Um, he is a teenage boy he's 16 i think um yeah and he's telling someone uh you know the the whoever the reader is this story about he he's 17 he's 17 and he's telling us the story of when he was 16 and how he like he failed uh in school and so he just left and he went to new york with all the money in his pocket and uh just the book is literally pretty much just him walking around New York to try and get someone to listen to him and to try and stop time and stop growing up and not join this world of adults, the, these, this, this group of phonies. Um, he just wants to stay a kid and, and not have to give in to that phoniness to in, exist in the adult world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the, I mean, the story is basically just uh, one complaint about it is that he doesn't change that much because 
from point to point to point, he's pretty much just kind of, you know, trying to get he's someone to static. listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, very, he's, for most of the book, I would say he's very static. But some people say it doesn't change at all, which I would disagree with. Towards the end of the book, uh, there's a moment where his sister is on a carousel um, and she, he's watching her and, and, uh, I I don't have a quote in front of me, but in that moment he basically realizes he he basically realizes not to treat time as like a timeline and to treat time as like a series of good moments um, that you can you can cherish yeah. those good moments in the time that you're experiencing them. Um, yeah, there's uh, yeah. I just wanted to say, um, do you know anything about J.D. Salinger's life? Because this book is very autobiographical towards him. Or for him, at least, because he was like a soldier. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was in World War One. But uh, interestingly, though, J.D. Salinger would actually say that you should not think about him at all. Like oh. you should completely separate him from the work. Um. Yeah, I actually found out that fairly recently. Like he's not. He would. He would not. If he was reading someone else's work, he wouldn't care about the author at all okay. but this is definitely you can definitely see holden's um almost not he's not quite a nihilist but almost nihilistic perspective mm -hmm. as kind of what a lot of you see in a lot of people coming back from world war one in this era uh, so it, it is very clearly he's put a lot of himself into holden caulfield so it's just kind of ironic that jd salinger himself was kind of like no, you don't have to think about me when you read my book. But you really should. <laughs> you should. No, you definitely should. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting that I caught uh, on this reread um, was something about the hat. I did have to research it a little bit more on the internet, but, mm -hmm. I, but he brings up the hat repeatedly, which I thought was interesting. So I decided to look into that a little bit more. And... Um, there, he uses the hat basically to help himself do, um, do different things. So he he puts on the hat when he's trying to write the essay. Uh, I believe he puts on the hat. He puts on the hat in a couple different scenarios that kind of helps him act in this adult world that he's found himself in. Um, and at the end of the book, uh, his sister puts the hat on him. Uh, he talks throughout the book about how he's kind of embarrassed about the hat and how he has to use it. Um, like he takes it off when he thinks that he might mm -hmm. be around people who know him. Uh, and his sister, someone who knows him, puts the hat on him to kind of say, like, this is, you need this to, to act in the adult world, to grow up. <laughs> then do it. Then use it. Wear it. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. A really interesting take on that. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's not really much else to say without... The, like, it's hard to spoil this book, too, just because not a ton happens. Um, you know, he pays a, a prostitute not to sleep with him. Um, he tries to talk to this cab driver about where the ducks go in the winter, and the cab driver won't listen to him really or talk to him mm. it's kind of like a very one-sided conversation like the whole book is just him trying to get someone to listen to him and when he finally does that is when he changes the most and it's it's really kind of all worth it to get to that point honestly 
I believe. This is kind of the quintessential American coming of age story. And Aside from To Kill a Mockingbird, probably, but you know, we didn't read that. Well, yeah, but I don't think that that's entire. You could call that a coming of age story, yes, but I don't think that like the focus of this book okay. is coming. Yeah, of yeah, age. yeah, this is like one hundred percent coming of age. Yeah, right. Um, so th- this is kind of the quintessential American coming of age story, and I, it, you know, it stands the test of time. I think it's well worth reading today. Um, he still Holden Caulfield feels like a teenager that could exist like today outside of all the technological differences he feels like a person that could walk around new york yeah. city today and that's what makes great art and so, you know just how well it ages and how well it applies today and like yeah especially with my book um Anne of green gables and is probably definitely a child today um like i mean we obviously all know someone that's just like who's very young and very sweet and wide-eyed and all that and it's Almost cute to read, I'll say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Here we go. My PC crashed, so like that was great. Oh, spectacular! <laughs> Did y'all not notice? No, no. Wow. We were we were just talking about. <laughs> well, I, anyway. uh, so how's how's the stream doing? Uh, well, then? the stream cut out for quite a little bit. Uh, minute, oh no! It's fine. Okay. It's back up. Well, okay, so the... Just, we have uh, moving on, anyway. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, so I, I will say... I will say real quick, for anyone who's watching the stream, um, it's, we'll have the whole thing up on Anchor, so if you missed it, yeah. uh, if you missed what we were saying and you wanted to come listen, go ahead and go to Anchor. It'll be up in the next couple of days. Or Spotify, or, or wherever you are. Or Spotify, yeah. It gets it gets yeah. put on all platforms. You can listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can just support us by listening to it after it's already been. You can donate to our Patreon. No, we don't have Patreon <laughs> yet. We can we can make one though. You can just make one. I don't know what we give to people. <laughs> the opportunity to share a book one month. They they just donate to us. We don't have to give them anything in return. That's true. Anyway, shall I talk about my book now? Because it sounds like you and Pierce talked about your books already. Yeah, we're right, waiting cool. for you to chime in this entire time. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, part <laughs> of that was my PC crashing, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'll go ahead and talk about my book now. So I read Ender's Game, and it's basically uh, just a quick summary of it. Is uh, it's basically about this kid who. Um, lives in this sort of dystopian future uh, and he lives seemingly like a pretty normal life aside from you know things being futuristic and uh, he at the age of six gets called into basically the space military uh, which they called oh, what did they call it I forget the name of um, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> already I I forget the name of the military army, but it's basically like if the military had, uh, you know, a specific army just for like space, um, and space army, basically a space army, yes. Um, and essentially, um, he is being called uh, to this academy, essentially, uh, that will. Um, you know, train him and uh, get him ready to fight these uh, aliens or these creatures uh, that they de or that they call buggers. Oh. And 
they um they previously had uh, attacked Earth and tried to invade Earth. Um, oh, no. But there was um, this is like all of the beginning, by the way. So this is not spoiler. Um, okay, all right. Basically, uh, humanity was able to save themselves before uh, you know the buggers took over. Um, but basically, their goal is to try and eliminate all of the buggers. So that way, uh, they would never have to worry about I another invasion <laughs> ever again. The emphasis you're putting on the word buggers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very strange name for uh, aliens, and I don't... Sounds like a slur. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's weird, for me at least. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he gets called up basically to this academy uh, at the age of six, and he would have to leave all of his family, um, and he would basically never get to see them until he was i think they said at first that it would be he wouldn't be able to see them until he was like 12 or 13 or something like that um so basically he would you know leave them for you know six years before he'd ever see them again and so uh he decides to accept the invitation um and he's basically sort of deemed as this prodigy um this prodigy uh military leader essentially this general um and so that's why they were like really like trying to get him to join because they saw because they basically track these kids from like birth to like i think the age of uh four or five or something like that they put some sort of tracker in their head and so they can track like all their thoughts and feelings and um their actions and basically you know there is no privacy for them um and so because of that they were able to scout him out and find out that he's like you know he could be like a great military leader one day if he's trained properly enough and so uh he accepts the invitation and he goes up uh to this you know uh military base in space um and uh base like basically uh well i guess it's a military academy uh whatever um but He's there and, um, like, just generally speaking, they're very, uh, very hard on the kids. Basically, like, they don't get to live very much of a childhood. They, like, have to basically um, grow up at the age of, like, six and seven and all that. Um, And so, you know, the normal term for uh, coming of age is normally a book about, you know, somebody going from you know childhood or teenagehood to you know adulthood um but in this book uh, they don't really talk about ender's adulthood at all um and so it's not necessarily coming of age you know with actual age but uh just sort of his um basically you know if you were taken like if you went to the military at the age of six and you were drilled like a normal adult your your mentality would basically become you would basically have an adult mentality at the age of like nine and you'd be just like so broken down mentally. And so basically he aged, he aged before his, he aged more mentally than he did physically. Yeah. Uh, this sounds um, like you would be going like 40 going on 12. Basically. Yes. Like, yeah, he could have a midlife crisis at the age of 15. <laughs> well, you never um, know when you're going to die. So midlife crisis. <laughs> no. True. Um, <laughs> But so that's 
that's basically the gist of the story without you know going too far into it or spoiling mm. anything um so uh, i found it really interesting because like i said it wasn't necessarily a direct coming of age book like um oh what was one of the books i saw like i mean uh, to kill a mockingbird to kill a mockingbird hunger games uh i think i even saw what was another one i saw in I there? Mean, yeah there's a bunch of those. <laughs> you yeah. have to list there's, you don't have to list every example but like there's a bunch of popular books that are you know examples of coming of age this wasn't necessarily like that um because he didn't like i mean maybe if you read if i read the whole series maybe they would get into his adult life but um yeah this I book like that yeah sorry i don't think you have to see someone's adult life to for it to qualify as a coming of age it's just yeah. as long as you notice a noticeable shift in their character like yeah. of them coming of age uh, as in like them starting off as a kid and then mm-hmm. learning to mature and adapt to the circumstances of like hey maybe life isn't as innocent as i thought which yeah is my book as well so yeah that's basically it like except this is like a situation like <laughs> happens instantly basically yes it's sort of a good example of like what would happen if we didn't have a childhood yeah like if all of our innocence was taken away at the age of like nine interesting interesting uh which i found as a really interesting concept um because uh a lot of you know at least in from what i've seen in my life a lot of people like push for the uh oh you have to grow up so you know sooner rather than later and like mm-hmm. you know you need to grow up you know you need to grow up but it's like this book sort of demonstrates like we maybe we shouldn't like grow up too yeah fast. we shouldn't rush kids exactly well, otherwise just lose humanity yeah exactly um like you shouldn't rush people into growing up you should just like you know give them their time as a kid before they actually do have to grow up um yeah but have you have you heard about the author's controversies <laughs> uh i have not i've not looked into the author too yeah, much yeah let's just say that he has a uh, questionable value values um okay. especially regarding race <laughs> yeah see okay we, we can ignore J.D. Salinger is ignoring us to ignore him in the book, but we should probably ignore Orson Scott Card when reading Ender's Game because uh, mm-hmm. it's probably going to taint your experience. I don't know anything about Montgomery. I'm assuming she's a great person. So, Well, I mean, I didn't see... I mean, this book was written in, like, 1985, and back then, I mean, yes, there wasn't as much, like... Or, yeah, like, the whole race thing was... I mean, it wasn't as bad as, like, Lovecraft, Sarah. <laughs> exactly. Or, like, yeah. MLK... Uh, I'm like him with such a racist. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking. I meant the era. We're talking about eras here, Justin, not people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's not. It was you know past all that essentially. But um, I didn't really notice anything anyway. Um, that's basically the gist of the book. I found some interesting things. I got some things interesting uh, points out of it, and um, yeah. What do y'all think? Yeah, I agree with them. You know, letting pe- school is not meant only solely for education because you know that is yeah. not how we should be viewing things. Because mm-hmm. we should view it as a social environment, and you mm-hmm. know, introducing people to other people. Um, do you have anything to bring to that, Gavin? Because I know that your schooling situation is a little bit different. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm homeschooled, so I don't like grow up with the whole bullying and um all that unless you know it's my brother you know some somebody else or your mother or my mom but um 
but i mean i feel like that it does bring a good point of like you know maybe schools should be more caring about how uh the kids you know grow up in their schools because you know kids are in those schools now for you know i mean they're they always have been for a while now but like you know they're there for five days a week you know uh eight hour almost eight hour days uh like you know a normal job and it's like you should take care of the kids that you have in your school rather than you know simply trying to just do the least that you can and still like secure your job like it's not about the teachers at that point it's about the kids um Mm. so i feel like yeah that sort of brings up a good point of like you know school should be more caring and um you know be more uh open to listening to their students and um all that so yeah i also agree because i mean i've not been in i've never been inside of like even a high school but like I've definitely heard stories of um, interesting things that happen yeah, in high schools. It is, it is high school. You're a ball of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff is bound to happen. Yeah. Right. Lot, lots of bad things, but. But it's all part of the learning experience. You know, like. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, just, just take what I said and just apply that to a space school. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, you know, instantly apply it to a dystopian future. Oh, I did want to say something. It's not necessarily directly related to coming of age, but one thing I did, one more thing I did find interesting was that, so this was written in, uh, said 1985. Um, yeah, 1985. And they were talking about, you know, sort of the internet essentially back in 1985. Yeah. Like they basically described the internet almost perfectly uh in that book like in this yeah like the internet as it is today basically yeah like like, right now i know in 1985 they they had like kind of like barely but like it wasn't very common you could say yeah it was like um you know they make some references like you know forms essentially um like to youtube not YouTube, no, unfortunately. But. <laughs> they were like, but like, yeah, yeah, uh, Twitch.tv was Black, good. Uh, any, no. Not just any book club. They bring it to us. God. God dang it. Anyway, but. Were you in the book? Like, it was just interesting to hear, like, the, um, you know, hear them describe what, you know, back in the 1980s was, like, you know, super futuristic and all that. But then it's, like, you know, reality um with like that was the only thing that i noticed really um that really stuck out to me that was like you know dystopian future for them but like you know current day for us um like it actually was it is a um a thing that we live with now um so i found that interesting i thought that that was uh worth bringing up so so I guess it predict also predict the decline of humanity for that. Yeah, I mean, you could just say that they predicted the decline of humanity whenever they described, you know, Damn aliens that. attacking them. But, you know, whatever. Okay. Or buggers. Buggers. As you like them. Yeah. Poggers yeah. in the chat. Let's go. Poggers. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, 
right, well, I mean, I guess... But it's a, it's the about... short episode, so we'll just go ahead. Just episode. Right <laughs> We're done. Yeah, I guess that about wraps it up. Uh, let's just... So... Um... So what's going to be the next month? Yeah, yeah just to wrap it up, here's... <laughs> I was trying to find the words to, like, transition into that, and I was like, uh... <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> so uh, next month's topic is going to be genre deconstruction. Um, <laughs> so, so again, that's um, authors taking tropes from a specific genre and flipping them on their head to make a point about the genre itself, as well as making a point about life, like normal themes and stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, I already know what I'm going to read. Uh, <laughs> I have no clue. So, Oh, you'll find out. Yep, we all find out next month. Yep. Um, I hope these trying times find everyone well. And yeah, uh, yeah that's it. Previous. Sign off. Good. Previous. All right. God dang it. All right. I've ended it now. I'll tell Craig to leave.